Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am Bo. He is Johnny. We've got a few things to get through here on the middle of June. Uh, welcome in to the program. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Trevor Lawrence, the story in ESPN the last couple of days about being the most NFL-ready college sophomore. We're quick to do that, aren't we? It seems like it was about six months ago that it was uh, Tua Tungavailoa was the most NFL-ready college sophomore and we follow we fall out of love with these kids pretty quickly but a lot of eyes certainly on Lawrence so we'll get to that a little bit also talk about some of ESPN had a list of best Ohio State traditions and best tradition of all the top 25 teams we'll go over that as well um, but I wanted to start with um, this quote from Bruce Bowlesby now he's the big 12 commissioner and it, on the surface Johnny this looks like um, if you just read the headline you would just see that, well, gosh, what, what an awful thing to say, because we're in, a, we're in an era where most people really like the college student athletes, especially in the revenue sports of men's basketball and football, to have pretty much total freedom to transfer. And we've seen it benefit us tremendously with Justin Fields. And we saw a former player of ours in Tate Martell benefit from it tremendously as well, where they, they were both granted immediate waivers and allowed to play. And we've talked on this show how it's basically they've changed the rules on transfer without officially changing it. Yeah. So it'd be very easy to take shots at Bullsby and say, oh, it's so old school minded and all of that. But then he adds something. And it's only when you actually click on the full comments that you get the full context of the quotes. What a what a magical thing. Right. Read the entire thing <laughs> rather than just the headline. So the, and this is the real kicker. He says he believes it's a colossal mistake of having different rules for different kids. And Johnny, on that one, I agree with wholeheartedly. I think that they are in a the NCAA has walked down a really dangerous, not dangerous, that's the wrong word, but a really slippery slope when it comes to deciding almost arbitrarily this kid gets to not have to sit out a year and this kid doesn't. And I don't know how they're doing it and how they're deciding who is and who isn't. There's a kid who went to Georgia who wanted to be closer to his family in Illinois and he's got to sit out a year, but Tate Martell and Justin Fields and others get to play right away. I don't know how they're deciding it. It seems like it's totally shot in the dark and i do think i'm with bolsby on this i think there's a little bit of problem with that so what do you think what do you think bolsby wants what, what do you think his because here's the deal yeah. my solution to this and what i'm thinking is probably drastically dr different than what he's thinking so what do you think he wants out of this conversation uh Well, he probably wants some sort of order and power. That's what most of them sure. want, is, is to get some sort of order and power back. And you have to remember when you're an athletic director, uh, obviously he's working for the athletic departments in the Big 12, and the athletic departments are the most powerful people in the athletic departments in the Big 12 are the football coaches. And I'm sure that this transfer portal is a major pain. Um, uh, they hate it. They yeah, you could start with that, the uh, Brew McCoy kid who committed to USC, signed early letter, goes to Texas and plays spring football and is now back at USC. Like they don't yeah. want to have to deal with that. No, no. Well, that's my point. So what I'm saying is, is that my solution to this is, all right, well, it, instead of doing this, you know, half-assed, you know, change that they're trying to put out here, which is like, okay, we'll let some kids break the rules and other kids are going to have to abide by our, you know, hard and fast, like, you know, by the letter, you know, agreement that we have with all this. Instead of doing that, allow kids to have one free transfer where they don't sit out. And then uh, after that, you've got to like sit out a year or whatever. That's fine. I wouldn't have a problem with that. That's the blanket rule. But I think what the NCAA is afraid of doing is taking off people like Bullsby who are like, you know, I don't want kids to have that kind of autonomy and that kind of choice 
over what's going on with their college you know, career and and whatever sport and football, basketball, et cetera. Because if we do that, then we lose the kind of control that we have over the football programs and over the the basketball programs to, to, you know, ensure that they're going to be these dominant things. So I, what I'm saying is, is that I agree that the NCAA is really just not like they're trying to make change without actually having the balls go through with it. And that that's stupid because it is definitely putting people at a disadvantage. But what I think is that the solution here is to give students more freedom. Whereas I think the ADs and the coaches are like, no, let's try to go back. Let's try to put, you know, Pandora's box back together. Let's try to put all that back to where it was so that we have more control over the players and over the programs. I don't think you can do that now. And I would hope that the NCAA would step up and say, let's, let's give these guys one, you know, free transfer if they want it. And then after that, we're going to have to look at considerations and you're going to set out some time, but you know, that's not, I don't think what the, the administrators and the coaches want. Okay. I, I think that's a really interesting thing to discuss is the idea of you get one transfer at any time. I think the reason the coaches wouldn't want is that it would cause them to cater to true freshmen. Sure. Tremendously. Um, and that basically they'd have to spend not only all these years recruiting them, but that entire freshman year re-recruiting them. Right. Um, and I think that would be the problem why most coaches. But the, the reality is most of these kids, if you're going to transfer, it usually happens pretty early in the process. First, second year. Um, I would almost be I would almost be OK. With, I, I would almost be okay if with I'm I'm first of all I want all sorts of freedom for players the more the better I'm with you on I think the one free transfer is good I'm wondering if it would be best served after two years on campus okay which yeah, would I, prevent I, you know which would have prevent some sort of because I do think that that letter of intent you, there should that's a bind that should have some sort of guarantee. You know, because that's a, that's a scholarship and sure, it's yeah. full grant and aid. So, I mean, you should be I, to me. I, I wouldn't want kids having to because as a as freshman, have you, if things don't go your way, you just bail. And I think that's the wrong message. So I'm and I'm just speaking this out loud as we're talking. I, it's not like yeah, I know I, much I thought it since you until you brought it up. And I do like the idea of just one free transfer. But I think I would I'm wondering if I would like it to be one free transfer after the second year on campus. I think I think that's a fair point. Here's what I would say, though, in response to that, is that I think a large part of why players transfer is because coaches will tell them anything to get them on campus. Yeah, they will say true. anything to get you on campus and, yeah. and to have you sign that that you know letter of commitment. And I just I would like there to be more transparency. And if a coach believes that if they tell a kid and they feed them a bunch of lines, Torrance Gibson, you're going to be the next quarterback at the Ohio state university. And and that's clearly BS, but it's, it's what the player wants to hear. I do think there should be some consequences for that. I think there should be, you know, players being able to tell a coach, look, you told me straight to my face that, that what the situation was. And that wasn't the case. I want players to be able to throw back, you know, throw that back in coaches a little bit. Like, I, I think that would be fair. And I know that's, yeah. you know, people aren't necessarily comfortable with that because you're right there. You have a binding contract. It is for, uh, you know, an education. You're, you're putting a ton of investment in a player. Um, that's not, you know, that's, that's really a remarkable thing that you're given to a kid. But I just think the way that recruiting works, you can't, 
it just feels so one-sided and I really wouldn't mind if players were able to say, look, you told me one thing and this ain't the case. And I'm, I'm going where I believe that I'm actually going to be respected and, and told the truth to. So yeah, to me, I, me, I, I think, I think you're right. Much. I think you have it. I mean, I never considered like an anytime, an anytime transfer. And initially my, as I said, my, my pushback was just that there would be nothing that, then what does the scholarship means? But the same, if the scholarship, if you if, if all you are is honest with kids, then there shouldn't be a problem. Right. But that's right? not the case. So that's not <laughs> the case. So most most happen the wrong way. And um, but I, I do think Bowlesby's on to something when he says we need to have uniformity here. Yeah. Um, we can't just arbitrarily decide who's going to be free transfer and who's not. And I'm with him on that. I, I think that there is I think it's right now it's madness. Oh, trying well, to decide who's free and who's not. It's bogus the idea that you're perceived to be. I mean, really, what's I think happening is that you're perceived to be a big enough star that will benefit the teams and and whatnot that you're going to, and then it'll enhance the brand of college football. That okay, well, you're going to be able to go do this, and and we'll kind of wink at you as you go. And then for people who we don't necessarily perceive to have that kind of impact on the college football scene nationally, uh, we're going to look into this a little bit more. We're going to have to make sure that this is a you know the correct thing to do. I I agree. I, I think that it's it's got to have more uniformity because otherwise it's just not fair to one group of people or the next. And so I I, I definitely agree with that. It almost seems like there's no rhyme or reason to it. You yeah, know, the way they're well, doing it now, it's like they just randomly yeah. decide. Well, this kid should and this kid shouldn't. And uh, for a second there, I thought that they were just going to grant everybody, but then they've rejected a few lately. So I can't really make sense of what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, so I do think there needs to be either it's all or nothing. You may have a good plan there where just one time you can transfer without penalty. I would say this too, um, you know, there, for every Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, there's a dozen Kyle Allens and there's a dozen right. other kids who transfer all over hell and they don't turn into it. Although Allen started a game for the Carolina Panthers. So I guess in a roundabout way, it worked out for him too. But, um, you, you search on that transfer portal thing you could end up, transferring around and, and basically wasting it the prime of your you know your playing career so it's a tricky spot uh for everybody i mean i could see that happening with martell frankly i could see, if he loses if he doesn't win the job at miami i could see him going right back into it man miami that and that's really the risk right and that's look that's the other thing i don't think a player a lot of people are worried that a player is just going to kind of you know shop their talents out every year right to try to get to the most advantageous situation that's not smart that would be a really stupid thing to do if tate martell doesn't win the miami job where else is he gonna go to try to get in the nfl you know what i mean like this is yeah there's a finite benefit to moving from college to college and it, it just kind of like it your chances of getting to the NFL, unless you really are like a next level talent and really is, and maybe it's a, maybe it's a school thing for you, right? There are definitely players where they just don't like school at all. And they have NFL level talent, but they just aren't going to be successful, right? As a full-time four-year college student. Um, and they do bounce around and eventually they, you know, maybe end up on a team in the league, but that's, that's pretty, you know, far between, you know, what you actually see. So I, you know, Tate Martell, if Tate Martell doesn't win the Miami job and he, or let's say he does win the Miami job and he's unsuccessful, or he's benched, I don't know yeah. what his, I don't know. He what would move around is. again. I, I think, I mean, I think he would just keep moving around because in, in his case too, I mean, he was built up to be such, when you have it, you're, when you're like a star of your own series. Sure. You know, I mean, it, that's a lot that comes with it. And you play with it on a team like he played with at Bishop Gorman. I mean, there's so much that comes with it. I don't know how you could remain grounded. I don't. So I, you know, he could be somebody who transfers around. I'm rooting for him. I hope it works out. Um, 
the other th- one thing that you know is going to work out, and I saw this uh, over you, you had passed this along to me when we were going some, through some of the pre-show notes about Trevor Lawrence, and then I started to do a lot right. of reading on him. And um, one of the things that you and this is the time of year where you're going to write about Trevor Lawrence. I think it's really important to remember that up until the national championship game, there wasn't this talk of him being the greatest freshman quarterback of all time. There wasn't. No, he was. He's not Heisman finalist. He was not considered he lit up Bama he lit up Bama and you can't disagree with that and and everybody around the NFL when I was at the NFL combine in Indy everybody said wait in two years until you see this guy that it'll be very similar to like with Andrew Luck and some others where he's just a no-brainer number one overall pick in the NFL draft and I get it he has all the measurables all those things uh but this idea there was a wide-ranging interview with him there was ACC media days and he's had some availability, and and one of the things that came out of it was a couple of things. Number one, he said, I'll never skip a bowl game, um, that I won't do that. And I would t- also say that he's probably always going to play in a BCS semifinal, more likely than not, based on their recruiting, and he's a quarterback. So it's a little different being him than it is being Bradley Roby, right? Or being <laughs> Denzel true, Ward. Yeah. Like, the odds are he's not going to get hit. They We go to a long ways to protect quarterbacks. And more often than not, he's going to be playing in the semifinal. So if you're chasing championships, that's very different than Christian McCaffrey sitting out, you know, the Sun Bowl. It's a very right. different, you know, feeling to that. Um, the other thing that they address with him is, um, is that he would have been, um, that he would be ready to go to the NFL or be NFL ready right now. I can tell you this, that based on, my conversations with people at the combine, I do believe that he would have been had a very good shot at going number one overall in this year's draft had he been eligible for it. That they right. would have taken the promise of him over Kyler Murray, who went number one overall. Um, that they would have, that he would have been the number one quarterback. So that's how the NFL views him. I'll tell you this though: if you're sick of hearing about him, buckle in because this is going to have a lot of this is going to have a lot of Tim Tebow to it. Um, there's going to be a lot of parallels. Do you think so? This is the question that I I have. And do you think that if the NFL ever goes to a situation where they allow kids to come out, you know, earlier and then they have this agreement and all this, you know, or or, or college football has these rules with it, do you think it's going to be primarily a positional thing? Because I, I was thinking about this before the, uh, the the dubcast before we started recording, and you know, for some positions, I feel that you could have an impact almost immediately. And, and even as a freshman, right? Like coming out after a year or something like yeah. that. Running back. I think there are definitely some positions where, corner. you know, and even, even as a developmental thing, you know, with, with Trevor Lawrence, we're like, okay, we'll take a flyer on this guy because we think in three years he's going to be a next level quarterback. But with other positions, I think just in time, in terms of like body maturity and understanding technique and things like that, you're not going to see that very often. So, does it have to be a situation where you could play any position and be taken early for the, you know, for the the powers that be to kind of allow this, or could it be a situational thing where like maybe there's only one guy at one position every year that, that teams might actually deem worthy enough to, to come out that early. It's interesting. Um, in other words, linemen, so if you're, like offensive linemen, yeah. especially like you're not going to have a lot of offensive linemen no. 18, 19 years old are going to be able like to, to attract hit, you know, turn heads at the draft. That's not going to happen. No offensive linemen, defensive linemen. I think linebacker. <laughs> yeah. Um, same. Safety. Anything with anything that's part of the major collision. I think there's some freshman running backs that probably could have Adrian Peterson could have uh, right. Maurice Claret could have Beanie Wells could have, we've had some, um, 
quarterback, it would be so few and far between. You know, there's so few kids who you look at them as 19 year olds and go, yeah, the NFL would want you now. Maybe yeah. Lawrence is one. Maybe I mean, I think Andrew Luck, if memory served, I think he even redshirted. Um, so those are so rare. I, I would think that the that you know, running back, receiver, corners. If a corner corner, usually it's about technique, though. Like, do they have the te- technique already as true freshmen? That's so rare. It's usually guys with the ball. It's usually receivers and running backs right. are the ones that you feel like would have the best chance, you know, right away to play. I'll tell you this: there's no chance. And we live this with Claret. There's no chance that the NFL and college football is ever doing this ever. Yeah. (laughs) They've got it ironclad. They've got, I don't know why the others don't, I guess just because they can't get on the same page with their, you know, with their unions. Um, I don't know how football's done this and the NBA can't because NBA and college basketball would be better if it had the same rule where you had to stay three years after post-graduating class. And, and, and honestly, the NF, you could just use the NFL's rules. You could just say, we're a private entity and we deem this is the age that you have to be, or this is the distance from your high school graduation that you have to be in order to play. There's no doubt that the NFL and college football both benefit tremendously from this, from this setup and will never change it because of how, I mean, you think about the ready-made stars that the NFL gets. I mean, can you imagine if college basketball was like what it was like when I was a kid and See, though, I played four years? But I think there's too much appeal to the NBA to try to get guys because they believe that they're getting players that can contribute immediately, right? And for them, that's that's to their advantage, right? They don't care about college it's basketball. It's not, though. Anymore. No, it's not, though. In the long run, it's not. Uh, it's not because it could be the same as the NFL. It, they would ben- The kids would benefit more from getting college coaching. Yeah, you oh, can I make agree. an impact. You can make no, no, no. an impact. I totally agree with that. I think as the, an 18, 19 year old, you can. I think the NBA believes that that's to their advantage and that they want to try to get guys like Zion as soon as they possibly can. I would and say I, this. Yeah. The, the one amendment I would say is the NBA players. It's it's the NBA players that want to get rid of one and done and want to go right back to, to high schoolers eligible because it puts you on a track to make money quicker. That's true. Because you yes. can play out that rookie deal and you can get big money by the time you're 25 right. instead of in the NFL, you know, you, Baker Mayfield's not going to get a big contract till he's 28, 29 years old. And in the NBA, you can get it at 22, 23. And it's true. because you can get started sooner, right? You but get that's that clock other, moving. Okay, but then that's my other question is, is that would, you know, the players union and all that look at that and go, look, our average length of career in the NFL is what, like three and a half years, three and a half seasons, if that? Yeah. Right. So if that's the case, why would we want to put another two or three years of wear and tear on athletes' bodies before they can even start making money? Right. Like, if, well, if they don't care is- about who makes the money and the owners don't care. The real difference between the two is the NFL is controlled by the owners and, and the NBA. The players are true partners. I, I mean, the players have a lot of say in the NBA and the NFL. The player has the, the NFL. The player has no say. And the NFL I, doesn't I really care on that. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care about when they're going to pay you. They don't care about your clock. They don't care about getting you in your prime. They care about getting stars. They care about drafting Dwayne Haskins and or drafting Baker Mayfield and him having two million Instagram followers. That's right. what they that's what they get. You know, they get a kid. Right. I mean, you think about Baker Mayfield, and I know this just because I do the Browns show, but Baker Mayfield on the Browns being good. Browns radio, their games, the show I do are broadcast in Oklahoma. Because of Baker, that's revenue. That yeah. doesn't happen if he's at a high school, right? So 
you know, the second most popular sport in our country is college football. So they get they get basically a free minor league. That's so right. that that'll never change. They, they don't want, a, yeah, and they, do they get not a free minor league. They get a they get a free minor league that is the second most watched thing in our country. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. I mean, just on the face of it, it's completely insane. Like if you think it about is. it in those terms. It is. That the minor leagues would be more popular than the professional leagues of all these other, right. other all these other sports. I just yeah. it, it's just fascinating to me how these different sports work and and you know, in particular, what is required in terms of learning and technique and physicality and all these other things that you have to develop. Because, you know, I'm a big baseball fan and I've said this over and over. Like baseball is such a weird duck when it comes to all of this because Look, even the best players in baseball don't really become great until they're mid to late 20s. Like it takes a long, long ass time to really yeah. become an excellent baseball player. Uh, Joey Votto is probably the best baseball player the Reds have had in the past like 30, 40 years. And he's he didn't get to the majors until he was like 27 years old. And I, I just it, it blows my mind um how different some of these sports are and i you're right like you can't apply this uniformly because of the way that the players are involved and also because i think you know what's required of the players once they get to the professional leagues yeah yeah so it'll it's going to never change um the nba is going to go we're going to be i think it's 2022 will be the double draft so it'll be which will be an incredible draft it'll be the kids who all had to go one year and then the high school kids they'll all be you know, in one draft in 2022, and then we'll probably it'll probably be 18 years and older going forward. And then, you know, college hoops is going to have to really decide what it wants to be. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> with more and more options, there I just saw there are two kids in the 2020 class that are both top 25 kids. One is Lamelo Ball that are going to go. They're going to go play in Australia. Yeah, and that's and why wouldn't you know, they? Yeah, they're going to go to Australia and make money and and try to play over there. That's the way that's going to go. So, but in terms of the NFL and college football, that that will stay that way forever. They they've got the best setup that there is uh, in that sense. Um, I also we saw this on ESPN. I think this was last week. I saw this. They went through um, every top twenty five team, and they went with best traditions um, for top twenty five teams. And for us, they went um, with. Script Ohio. Now, um, they they also had a good line here where they said, "Well, beating however many times we beat Michigan now in a row, fourteen out of fifteen, wherever the heck it's gotten so lopsided, it's hard to even remember." Um, yeah. But they said that's that's become Ohio State's best tradition. But then they serious stuff and they said that it was actually um, Script Ohio that did it. What is your favorite Ohio State football tradition? Oh man, because so Script Ohio would not anymore. be mine. Well, so I love Script Ohio, and it, it's it's just an incredible piece of like musicianship and and coordination. All it, it's really a remarkable thing just to watch. But my favorite one doesn't exist anymore. They don't do it anymore, which is uh, Neutron Man and the Neutron Dance. And I look, I was a freshman at Ohio State in fall of two thousand and three, and he spoke. <laughs> at our like our orientation like there were eight thousand kids eight thousand kids went to the shot it was a really really rainy day i remember because i was with a group of kids and one kid slipped and broke his leg just walking back to the dorms that was great 
but he was there and he spoke to everybody about the importance of being a Buckeye and how great everything was. And he did his dance and everybody was happy. And it was just, it was one of those insanely weirdly specific things, right. That, that evolves in college culture that thousands of people, thousands of kids who had no real connection. I'd never, I didn't know anything about it, honestly, as a freshman. Yeah. And then I look for it every single game I was there, every single football game. Like he's there, you know, in, in, in like B deck on the South stands. I'm just like, I'm losing it along with everybody else. I just, I love those quirky, weird things that pop out of nowhere. Yeah. And I, I miss it, man. I miss, I miss Neutron Man because that was a fun as hell thing that I got to do every game. So, well, I don't, yeah. I don't understand how you can. I mean, you've got basically the same organic thing with Buckeye Guy and Big Nut. <laughs> That's um, right. That's all right. those guys and that, yeah. that same and that the what same is, what that? would be their song what would be the song that they <laughs> dance to like something like nickelback or like pitbull like just some transitory <laughs> thing that we just all hate in five years yeah like, probably pitbull i would say um so obviously we've got a million great traditions and and there's a there's so many things that you could say and and anybody who listens to me regularly here or on on the show on the fan with laurenitis knows that you know, one thing I'm very protective of is the uniform at Ohio State. Oh, sure. um, and so uh, even though Urban messed with it a lot um, and refuses to put Gray back on the sleeves for God knows what reason. But the 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 one thing that I think is the coolest, now you want to do the coolest, it's the Buckeye leaves for me. Oh, it's yeah. the slow accumulation over the course of a year. And as a kid, I didn't grow up around here and I didn't get to watch Ohio state every week, but typically you'd get an Ohio state game early in the season on TV and you'd get the Michigan game. And it started 10 mountain standard time. And what, what it would amaze me as a kid was the accumulation of those leaves and how a pure silver helmet at the start of the year would end up just littered with these things. And and for whatever reason, I and maybe it's because to me he's the perfect personification of an Ohio State football player. The the person I always think of is Eddie George. Sure. And there's just no more damn room <laughs> on the helmet. <laughs> overlapping them and yeah, there's just nowhere else to put them. And there's nobody else. Others have tried it. Uh Florida State put tomahawks on their helmets, and Michigan obviously did the little Wolverines under bow and they brought them back under Harbaugh. Um, but there's nothing to me, to me, it's as good as anything in college football Yeah, is that is the slow accumulation of Buckeye leaves as the season goes along. Let me, let me tell you two cool things about that, that I really enjoy about the Buckeye leaves. First of all, I love that that's like an Ohio state thing, right? Like it may not have necessarily started, like it had its complete Genesis at Ohio state. Maybe it did. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know, know either. Woody way back in the fifties. It's a, it's a, it's a really unique thing that Ohio state popularized and then took to other places and it caught on because it's a really cool idea. Um, like obviously it shows the evolution over the season. Another thing that I really liked back when Jim Tressel was coach, he had a, a website that was updated periodically. And this is like in 2005, 2006. And it actually showed the criteria for all the Buckeye leaves that, that were handed out. And so depending on which, you know, unit you're on offense, defense, special teams, it showed you actually had a formula about who got what, you know, Buckeye leaves. And so you could actually kind of follow players from week to mm -hmm. week and see exactly why <laughs> they got what cool. they got. Yeah. And, and it stopped being updated eventually, but as a student, you know, who was like, you know, really getting to Ohio State football, it was a really cool organic way to kind of be connected to the team because you're like looking out for certain players like, all right, well, let's see how many he's going to get this week. And then you'd see him the next week and he's like, oh, we've got five more, eight more Buckeye leaves. 
So that was, I, I love that part of it because it is such a, like, it's an organic thing that kind of just developed out of a really cool idea. And it also is personal to each player because now you can identify like the stars on the team. Right. And that's always a really cool thing to do. So yeah, I'm with you, man. That, that is a probably one of the coolest traditions I think Ohio state has. And it's, it's unique because you look at some of these, like the little Wolverines on the back of the Michigan homes look like crap. You don't even know what they are. You can't even tell what they are on television, but you know exactly what those Buckeye leaves are on the, on the Ohio state helmet. And that's just, it's, it's kick-ass. So I'm big. Yeah. And we live in a conference where we have some of the some great traditions. I mean, oh, man. you know that our 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 conference traditions are pretty great. So I the mean, that, Big it's, Ten, man, I have said this forever. The Big Ten, all these other conferences, like yeah, okay, you've got like you know the the world's largest cocktail outdoor cocktail party and the you know Red River Shootout, all that all that great stuff. Like I get it. I'm not I'm not discounting those things, but the sheer weirdness of the Big Ten, the insanity of most of the mascots, which make no sense for most of, like they're crazy. Uh, the the trophies yeah, the, yeah. that are handed out that are completely ludicrous, the the rivalries that go back plus a hundred years, the uniforms which are really unique. I just the color, like even the colors of the teams are relatively unique among a lot of you know college football teams. I just really like the fact that the Big Ten is like this super hipster conference that plays a completely antithetical, like a, like anachronistic brand of football. At least that's their you know the stereotype. Right, um, it's just a weird freaking conference uh, on paper, and I really enjoy that. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is. It's it's uniquely ours and uniquely weird. It's it's all of those things. I mean, what's the uh, trophy? The Penn State trophy? I can't. I don't. Well, the, the worst one. It's just like a hunk of wood. Like it's several. Hunks Which of ones? Wood. This Penn State. Who? I can't remember who they're playing. Who the rivalries with? Well, they play it, like they then they tried to like make up Penn State right. They like with Michigan State for like the land grant trophy. Yeah, yeah. Just Which a big hunk of stone or something. It's, yeah, it's I mean, they've got, there's a lot of crazy Minnesota's got like 16 trophy games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Floyd got the beat so great. The bucket, yeah. the giant pig. Yeah. A wooden turtle. Like Floyd I love this of Rosedale. Stuff. Yeah. There's some good ones. Yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of cool traditions. Um, I, you know, we don't really, we just have the Illinois one, right. In terms of the right. trophies exchanged. Well, Illinois. And that's the thing. Yeah, Illabuck's a wooden turtle. And, and the funny thing about Illabuck is that, first of all, they, there are many iterations of Illabuck. They have all these different designs. But I love the story behind it because it originally was a live turtle. And and the idea was is that, okay, we're first of all, Illinois is, you know, one of Ohio State's longest, most played rivals. If you look at the the total amount of, like, matchups, it's it's right there with Michigan. Yeah. Um, but the idea was that we're going to have this turtle because it, they live forever, right? And so the idea was going to represent the longevity of this rivalry. And it died the year after they got nice. it. Nice. It's handling it all the time. So like, well, instead oh, of just God. murdering, you know, animals, let's let's try to just, you know, have a wooden one instead. And so it's just ridiculous wooden turtle that Ohio State just kind of holds on to most of the time because they never lose. And it's it's hilarious. So, yeah, I just I love crap like that. It's It's incredible. Yeah, and and we do have, I mean, his, you know, historic uniforms, historic rivalries. We got about everything you'd want in this fine conference of ours. But yeah. and and honestly, like trying to pick Ohio State's best tradition, that's pretty brutal because there's so many. Um, but then you, I mean, look, I'm you can't go wrong with script Ohio. My favorite just happens to be the leaves. So um, be sure to visit Eleven Warriors for dry goods, shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Drygoods.elevenwarriors.com. Please don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Eleven Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast let's go ahead and do some ask us anything my friend on the middle of the june on a on a monday night there we go uh 
So if you guys want to ask us anything, please send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast. This is from Connor. Connor uh, asked us, so a few friends and I have made a deal to go at, to at least one Ohio State road game a year and mark, make it as a long weekend to explore the campuses and towns. Uh, we've talked. I love so, this, by the way. I absolutely yeah, on, love this. Well, here's the thing. On the Dubcast, we've definitely talked about campus and towns and stuff that we, we enjoy. Uh, we can get into that briefly. <laughs> but Connor also wants to know what are some campuses that he should definitely and his friends definitely try to avoid? Illinois. Um, <laughs> Illinois, West Lafayette. Do not go to Purdue. I think I actually reason. I thought I, I liked West Lafayette better than Illinois. Just and I, it's weird because people I have buddies who went to Illinois who wanted who just would fight me over it. But it might just be because when we always played them, when I covered Ohio State, like and went with the team, we always oh, played them like the first week or second week in November, yeah. and it just was just freezing cold and gray and gross. And just it's awful. a wind tunnel too. It's it's yeah yeah it's, it's awful. Bad. It's bad. It's awful. Yeah, I would say those are the two to avoid, 100. Um, percent What would you say? So, I mean, obviously, you have extensive experience going to all yeah. these different locations. What would you say is probably the best? Well, you're not going to do wrong in Madison. I mean, that's okay. Madison's great. Lincoln, Nebraska is stunning. Um, that is a great one. I think Northwestern's kind of a cheat because you're probably just going to be inclined to go to Chicago. Um, <laughs> right. So, I think that's a little bit of a cheat. I'm not a huge fan of East Lansing. Um, Maryland is a lot like Northwestern in that you're just going to go to DC. Um, I have not been to Rutgers. I have no reason to be, I think Penn state is phenomenal. Um, but you're going to get gouged on hotels. Um, and you're going to have to stay, you're gonna have to stay in a dump. Like, let's just be honest. You're gonna have to stay in a dump at Penn state, but that's, I think Penn state has the best atmosphere of any of them. They're all good though. I was good. Minnesota's good. Um, Indiana's fine. Um, like the only two that I thought stunk were Purdue and in Illinois and mostly just because of the drives and in the typically the time of year that you had to go there. Right. Um, but I actually like Purdue's campus. I mean, it's, it's not, it's a nice campus. I just didn't, you know, there's just not much around there. Um, yeah, having- if I were to recommend this year, like this year I would kick it off and I'd go to Nebraska September 28th if I was doing this yep. year. I agree. I, I So that was the one that I was going to mention is that because I really haven't gone to a lot of I haven't gone to Ohio State way games. And that's something that that's, you know, I need to, to rectify. But one that I really, really want to check out is just go in the middle of the plains, you know, check out Nebraska and, and see how they do it up. Because that's it's a great time of year. I think yep. you, Late you avoid. Yeah, you avoid like the Cormac McCarthy hellscape that's going to be, you know, towards the <laughs> middle of November. It, I will tell you, it does. You do feel like the man in the road driving from Omaha to Lincoln <laughs> because it's it's 80 miles an hour. It's there's, there's not much there. Right. There's not much there. So yeah, well, man creepy, and the boy. What's creepy with uh with West Lafayette is that you're going past the windmills and when it's just dark and gray yeah. and there's nothing and barren and flat, and then you see these monoliths just kind of like yeah grow out of the ground as you're driving through indiana it's freaking terrifying like it's it's the whole setup is weird as hell i don't think like i've been to you know produce campus it's fine campus college campus there's nothing wrong with it but just the area around it is just dire and it's yeah yeah and so i i you know i want to have the experience everybody says you know the nebraska fans the cornhusker fans are great they're great for tailgating i want to check that great town it's a yeah. great town. It's great tailgating. You fly into Omaha and then you drive and it's 80 miles an hour down to Lincoln. So, I mean, you, it's, it's a good time. 
Yeah, I'd be down for that, 100%. Uh, next one, this is from Suncard. He says, happy Father's Day. Uh, that doesn't apply thank to you. me. It does apply to you, Bo, so happy Father's yeah, Day. Yeah, thank you. Um, so he wants to know, Suncard wants to know, are two-way players a thing of the past? Who on the current team is the most likely candidate to be a two-way player? And who is our favorite two-way player of all time? Uh, well, Chris Gamble. Yeah. Would he's be... my, that, that's bar none. He's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, he's the coolest. For right. me, he was, you know, I know Teddy did it a little bit too, but Gamble was, um, those guys are both great. But I mean, um, those would be the guys that jump in mind to me. I don't know that it's, I don't think it's necessarily a thing of the past. I mean, I think if you have, but it's rare. It has to be, almost always has to be a corner, right? So it's got to be a corner who yep. can also, you know, who's so dangerous that you put him in every once in a while to, um, you know, to, to catch a pass. So that's that's why it's so rare. Uh, to see it. And also these guys are so specific now in their training, you'll see less and less of it. Um, but um, I don't know that there, there's really nobody on the team this year that, I mean, there's probably, I'm just looking right now, trying to find a corner who's like the NFL, for example, loves Akuda, but it's not like he's a better receiver than somebody who's already out there. He's not that fast, you know? Well, see, that's what I was going to say. I think a lot of it is just built on necessity. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> You yeah. want to talk about, you know, you put a you put a fullback and linebacker, not because you think he he's the greatest, you know, linebacker or fullback of all time. You put him there because you need him there, and that's that's what's kind of a necessity, right? Like, yeah. you know, Bourne didn't switch, you know, switch over there because that was like his ideal <laughs> position necessarily. It's because you needed a, a guy at linebacker who could shore up that that position. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I I really think that honestly, it's kind of on its way out just because of what you said that the positioning and the training has just become so specialized that, you know, and you probably see this, let me put it this way. You definitely see this more at schools where talent isn't as common yeah, and easy absolutely. to come by. Right. But at absolutely. Ohio state, it, it seems like that's going to be something that's less and less common just as the years go by, because they have, you know, you've got all these different coaches and it's just not, I don't know. It feels like a huge liability. If you've got a guy who, really really balls out on defense then contributes a lot on offense he gets down i mean you're out two players essentially so i i just don't see that being a huge thing going forward yeah so i you know and here's the other thing i mean <clears throat> i i had wanted to see you know a two-way player because i really 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 enjoyed watching uh gamble you know as a kid and, and you know as a student um just because it's it is such a hell of a thing to watch a guy you know, yeah. do 120 snaps a game. You know what I mean? Like just from yeah, a, it's crazy. Just from a, a freaking like endurance standpoint, it, it's mm -hmm. completely unbelievable to watch somebody do that um, and perform well. Because it, to me, it's just mind-boggling that you're able to have that kind of, you know, with the the hitting that you're dealing with and the running, just just crazy to me. So yeah. Um, I'm with you. So those are really good questions. Thank you for sending those in. And again, you know, keep sending them in. It's the off season. We love answering your questions. Let's ask us anything. Yeah, it gets loose this time of year, kids. That's right. I mean, it gets a little loose. So by all means, enjoy, have fun. Ask us literally anything, and we will answer it. We oh, will absolutely. I assure you of that. All right, Johnny. Good stuff out of you, my friend. We will visit again next week, buddy. Yep. Talk to you next week.